From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory, your weekly download on how to untangle healthcare's most pressing challenges. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. And I'm Miles Cotier. You can call me Miles. <laughs> yeah, the, the we're bringing you a radio advisory is, uh, uh, is, is accurate today. Our listeners probably remember you, Miles, from previous conversations on things like sustainability and climate action. And that's because you spend a lot of your time at Advisory Board examining how health systems balance the financial reality of today with environmental sustainability. And this is really tricky because more and more organizations are feeling very real pressure to take on major projects to reduce their carbon footprint while also operating under tight, non-existent, often negative margins. And I think it's easy to think about the kinds of organizations that are succeeding here as the biggest or the most successful or the financially sound organizations. Listeners are probably thinking of a handful of names. But Miles, you actually wanted to come on Radio Advisory to tell a different story. Exactly. One of my favorite stories about using cost savings as a way to improve environmental sustainability comes from Boston Medical Center, which many of our listeners will know is a large nonprofit AMC and safety net hospital in Boston. What I'm about to do, Ray, feels very against my British nature, but I'm going to steal the mic just for the rest of the show. I promise I'll give it back. For this week's radio advisory, I wanted to bring on Bob Biggio, who serves as BMC's Senior Vice President of Facilities and Support Services. Now, over the past few years, Bob has overseen a major redesign of BMC's campus, and he found pretty creative solutions to generate long-term cost savings while improving efficiency and reducing BMC's environmental footprint in the process. More than happy to give you the mic, Miles. I do want to warn our listeners as we get into this conversation, it's clear that Bob is recording this from the hospital. There are a couple moments where you might be able to hear some background noise, particularly some construction that's going on on the campus, which makes sense given that we're having a conversation about facility redesign. Take it away, Miles. Thanks, Ray. Bob, welcome to Radio Advisory. Hi, Miles. So I have to start with this one because I'm British and this is all we ever talk about, but you are currently in New England. I am currently sat near London in, let's call it, Old England. Please, please tell me the weather is better there than it is here. The bar's low, I'll say that. The weather's nice here today. It's it's a nice sunny day in the 70s, so beautiful day. Wow. Okay. Well, to say I'm jealous is is an understatement. Uh, As always... As I mentioned on the last podcast I was on, the weather here very much reflects our mood in the UK. So grey all the time, always (laughs) grey. So Bob, as this is your this is your first time on the on the podcast, I want to talk about firstly what what brought you to this moment. Right, you joined BMC in 2011. What led you to start working at BMC in the first place? Well, at the time, Boston Medical Center had was on a brink of receivership. They had been through a number of difficult financial years. And so Boston Medical Center is the largest safety net hospital in New England. And for me, given that uh, Massachusetts was at the forefront of healthcare reform and the financial situation of the organization, it felt like a really good place to do proof of concept for trying to reduce the overhead costs and expense uh, of a 
hospital facilities um, to drive more um, financial resources directly to the mission and patient care. And those financial challenges, I think, certainly aren't unique for health systems, right? Costs are high right now, margins are thin or or non-existent in some cases. Um, I, I think it feels like we're trapped in somewhat of a cycle. What was your process for identifying facilities projects that could generate cost savings for BMC? Well, the, the first thing I did here at BMC was really to do an assessment of our full real estate portfolio to determine kind of how much square footage we should have for the for the volume of patients that we were seeing. And so that was, for me, step one is just being sure that we, we had the right amount and rationalizing the, the correct amount of square footage um, and then targeting a plan as to how we would reduce or, uh, the square footage to, to get rid of any excess. Um, and then from there, focus on really uh, energy efficiency, um, trying to identify projects. I, I really started as low, low on the tree, if you will, right? And um, just worked my way up. And so I tried, at first I looked for projects with a three-year return on investment. And then by the end, we were looking at about eight-year return on investment. So, so looking more specifically at that campus redesign, we'll call it. So you looked at BMC's facility footprint, you rationalized it. What barriers did you come up against initially? I think that the biggest barrier was really the, the financial situation of the organization, um, having been on the brink of receivership at the time. And the estimated investment that would be required to reduce the square footage uh, by consolidating our campus was three to four hundred million dollars to reduce three to four hundred thousand square feet. And so the to convince the board and the senior management of the organization to make that kind of investment, given the financial situation of the organization, was the biggest hurdle. So how did you work out how much money you would need to to spend to generate long term savings from this project? Right. You said that you have an upfront figure that you came to the board with. Where did those costs come from? So uh, at the time, we had essentially two full inpatient buildings, right? It was a, it, BMC is the product of a merger. And so there were essentially two hospitals separated by one city block. And so what I did is I looked at what it would require for us to build the infrastructure in a single footprint that would accommodate all of the, uh, the inpatient beds, the operating rooms, and other patient care equipment that uh, would be required into a single footprint. And you know, use that plan essentially to develop a, a high level capital estimate for the for the project. Sure. Uh, and you you're talking about clinical space. Yes. And I think it's important for for any hospital, right, not to sacrifice volumes or throughput or anything like that, especially for a safety net hospital like BMC. How did you ensure you were you were maintaining patient volumes while you were undergoing this this rationalization consolidation? Um, of BMC's footprint? Well, for, for BMC, it was a, you know, we essentially had to fully renovate a, an operating hospital. So it was about 47 phases of construction in order to, to accomplish the, the project. Uh, it had to be phased into small pockets of, of construction. Um, and so it, you know, it was about a four-year project to get it all done. And coming back to the the kind of question of why we're here and especially why I'm here I think the redesign ended up having some pretty significant environmental benefits as well like we've said uh, BMC is a safety net hospital right so you're providing care to to everyone regardless of their 
insurance status or their ability to pay. And I think many people probably wouldn't necessarily expect an organization like BMC to make such significant progress, such huge leaps toward environmental sustainability. Why did BMC make this such a priority when when there were and still are plenty of excuses not to do so? So I guess the first thing I would say is because we're a safety net hospital, I think we felt the financial pressures of healthcare reform here in the U.S. earlier than other hospitals. You know, for, for me, I think both environmental sustainability and financial sustainability go hand in hand. So reducing the energy costs and the overhead expense of our facilities both reduces the environmental impact as well as the financial, uh, improves the financials of the organization. And so that's the, the lens that we looked at it from. The other lens that made it uh, rise to the top from an importance perspective is that if you think about what healthcare reform is asking of the U.S. healthcare system, it's to go upstream and keep our community healthier and prevent them from needing our hospital facilities. And so, you know, what better place to start than with the environment, right, if you're trying to keep your community healthy? I'm glad that lots of people believed in in the safety net aspect of things. Um, and again, this is something that's, that's slowly trickling into other parts of the health system. But I can't imagine that there was no pushback at all, right? Did, did you receive pushback from your leadership at BMC? Uh, I think... There was significant hesitancy. I don't know if I'd call it, you know, call it pushback, but there was hesitancy. Um, you know, and I can still recall a conversation I had with our CEO, Kate Walsh, at the time, where she she asked whether we could really afford to do this um, as an organization. And, um, you know, my reply to her was that we I don't think we could afford not to do it, um, that as the financial pressures of healthcare reform continued to bear down on the organization, the the inefficiency created by uh, the split campus that we had at the time, that it was going to get heavier and heavier, and it was going to feel like we were dragging an anchor. Um, you know, in the end, that that configuration was costing us about twenty five to thirty five million dollars a year wow. in excess overhead expense. That, if we consolidated, I estimated we could eliminate twenty five to thirty million every single year. Yes, that's quite a figure. <laughs> We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. Advisory board summits and roundtables give healthcare leaders opportunities to engage with advisory board members and experts in either a virtual or in-person format. Summits are a larger experience, with more than 200 attendees in the room, following a pattern of breakouts and keynote speeches across two days. Roundtables are smaller experiences, can fit around 40 attendees in the room to give it a more intimate feel and allow for deeper discussions. Learn more by clicking on the events tab at advisory.com or by checking out this episode's show notes. Well, Bob, as part of this project and as part of the series of projects you did um, restructuring BMC, you were also the first hospital in the US to issue a green bond, right? For for those listeners who aren't aware of what green bonds are, because they're relatively new to the market, they're, they're similar to normal corporate bonds, but the capital generated from issuance 
has to be invested in specific green projects that have you know measurable reportable environmental benefits what made you decide that a green bond was something you wanted to pursue at bmc well when we were preparing to do the bond offering um the organization um that was uh, helping to facilitate that for us came with the idea of a green bond and whether we would be open to, to to issuing it as a green bond um and given that so much of the work we were doing was uh, kind of foundational to do with uh, sustainability, um, it just felt like the right thing to do. It really wasn't a difficult decision for us. Uh, it aligned with all the work we had been doing and were planning to do. Um, and so, um, you know, it was a pretty easy decision for us. Did it, did it feel in any way risky since no other hospital in the U.S. had gone down that route before? Um, I don't. I don't think we perceived it as risky. I think we believed that it would open up uh, the, the likelihood of a broader investor group, um, you know, broaden the amount of uh, folks that would be willing to make the investments into BMC, which was particularly important to us given the financial challenges we were in at the time. And so, um, again, I think it was a pretty easy decision for us. Are you noticing any more facilities across your footprint or across the US more generally using green financing mechanisms like green bonds or green loans at all? So we actually just did our second uh, bond offering, which is a sustainability bond. We were the first hospital in the US to do that as well. So sure. um, I don't think enough uh, organizations are following, um, but I would strongly encourage them to do it. We, In both bond offerings, they were significantly oversubscribed. Um, in fact, in the second one, we had to go pull it back and go back out to the market with a reduced rate. So wow. it, it's, it definitely resulted in improved rates um, and, you know, a savings for us over the long term. So, Well, like we said, they're, they're relatively new mechanisms to them to the market writ large, let alone for healthcare. So I think that's probably why many systems are slow to adopt these kind of mechanisms. But let's pull up a level. If you had to go back to 2011 or 2012 and do the entire facility redesign again, what would you do differently and why? What would I do differently? You know, I have to tell you, I don't think there's a lot we would do different. Um, I think overall we've been really pleased as an organization with the way the entire project and the results of the process that we put in place have worked out for us. And you know, in fact, um, during the recent pandemic, our, uh, you know, Kate Walsh, our CEO at the time, you know, said that she doesn't think we would have been able to do nearly as well through the pandemic had we not done the work we had done as our campus redesign and consolidation. Wow. Now, at this point, I think many, many leaders listening to the episode are probably in a, in somewhat of a similar financial situation now to what BMC was in 10 years ago, let's say. Add in also that layer of growing social and regulatory pressures around things like ESG, right? And around things like environmental sustainability. What advice would you have for other health systems trying to balance sustainability with efficiency and cost savings? A lot of places that talk about how they need to hire sustainability people to, to work on this initiative. And um, I you know, what I tell people is this isn't an add-on service that you, you know, create a new department for. It really needs to be embedded into the work you already do. Um, and, and, and so I, I would really 
encourage people to, to think about the resources they already have on on their campuses and in their organizations and how they, uh, you know, really embed this into the, the work that they do. The, uh, the second piece of advice I would give folks is I, I hear lots of people say that they don't want to be bleeding edge, um, right? But if you look at the speed at which our world is changing today, I would argue that if you're not, if you're not cutting edge in the things that you're doing, you're probably not doing enough. Um, you know, the reality is the world is just changing too fast for people to sit back and just wait for things to be tried and true and proven. Um, you have to step out in front and lead. And I think referring to your first point, it, it's similar to the way we're starting to talk about things like health equity, right? Embedding health equity into every single thing that we do as an organization and likewise embedding environmental sustainability uh, or environmental consciousness, right, into everything we do as an organization as well. And I think, in my mind anyway, these kinds of stories certainly give me hope that the future of the health system doesn't have to be bleak all the time, right? I know I said I'm from the UK and everything's bleak, but not everything has to be bleak, right? Especially in a, in a financial or an environmental sense. And I think what you've shown us is that there are different levers that health systems can pull to reduce costs and generate environmental and social benefit too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at the, the savings that we've generated, um, you know, so for BMC, that one project saved twenty five million dollars a year. Um, and, you know, about 10 million of that is just in energy costs. The Environmental Protection Agency has put out statistics where they say that every dollar of savings is worth twenty dollars in healthcare revenue. Wow. So if you if you do the math over the next 20 years, the savings we've generated is equivalent to over one and a half billion dollars in healthcare revenue. And so the way I look at it is that's revenue that we literally do not have to charge our community. It's it's care that we can provide to folks who are in need here in our Boston community. Wow, that's uh, incredibly powerful, Bob. Thank you for thank you for that answer. And I think a very fitting way to end the podcast as well. Usually these conversations end in a very sour note, especially from an environmental perspective. So thank you for actually giving us something positive to take home. Um, So thank you, Bob, for coming on Radio Advisory today and for sharing your story. Thank you, Miles. Really a pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Hey, Miles, how did that feel? Well, I'm hotter than I was before I started the podcast, that's for certain. <laughs> I promise you did a great job. I think our listeners are going to want to hear the, the, the sound of your voice and your lovely accent every week and say, we're done with Ray. I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. Well, before I let you go, I, I, I have to ask, what is your favorite part of this story? Or what's the thing that Boston Medical Center did that you want to make sure that our listeners take away and, and take action on? As always, I think it always comes back to opening up conversations between leaders about sustainability, right? And finding out where we as a health system are right now in terms of our environmental impact. The social pressures around climate change, they're just going to continue to grow ahead of any sorts of regulations that may come our way. And we we really don't have a lot of time here. What Bob showed us, there are a lot of ways that you can get ahead. You can reduce your footprint And those actions can help 
you move toward your other objectives, right? Whether that's cost management or, or something else much faster as well. Well, Miles, thank you for hosting Radio Advisory. Thank you for allowing me to host Ray. Make sure to check out our show notes to find more advisory board resources that can help leaders like you lead your organizations towards more carbon neutral futures. If you like Radio Advisory, please share it with your networks. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Radio Advisory is a production of Advisory Board. This episode was produced by me, Ray Woods, as well as Miles Cotier, Katie Anderson, Kristen Myers, and Atticus Roche. The episode was edited by Joe Schramm, with technical support by Chris Phelps and Dan Tyag. Additional support was provided by Carson Sisk and Leah Elston. Thanks for listening. Is apropos the right word to use there? What does that even mean? Don't have a firm grasp of Latin. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> let me do let me do that again. Let me do that again.